0: Welcome to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. Today is Saturday, November 25th, day 50 of the war with Hamas. Amanda borchel down here with our political correspondent Tal Schneider and Knesset correspondent Carrie Keller-Lynn. Hello to you both. Hi, Amanda. Hi. Last night, 13 Israelis returned to their families after 49 days in Gaza as part of the ceasefire agreement brokered by Qatar and the U.S. between Israel and Hamas. Another 13 are expected to be released shortly today, and we'll discuss the nail-biting process and the happy reunions. Also, today marks the United Nations-sponsored International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women. Carrie will tell us about a new troubling trend here in Israel. All this and more when we're back.
1: The Technion Israel Institute of Technology is where some of Israel's brightest minds ask the biggest question of all. What if? What if they could take on the world's biggest challenges? What if they could develop life-changing environmental, scientific,
0: Doron Katz Asher and her two daughters Raz and Aviv, Emilia Aloni and her mother Danielle, Ohad Munder Zichri and his mother Karen Munder and his grandmother Ruti, Margalit Moses, Adina Moshe, Hannah Katzir, Hannah Perry. Four children, three mothers and six elderly women were released from hostage yesterday in the first batch of releases over the four-day pause of offensive operations in Gaza. In an agreement brokered separately, ten Thai nationals and one Filipino were also freed. Natal... I don't know about you, but my heart was pounding all afternoon as we saw the hours long slow rollout from Gaza until we knew for certain who was released and who was left behind. So tell tell us about the stages of the hostages release. The Hamas hands them off to what the Red Cross and then what happens?
2: Right, Amanda. So we were all sitting in front of the TVs, uh, really excited and I think uh, shedding tears. Uh, It was... um, you know, um, tiring day. Um, they, the, the, abducted people were up on their feet at 6 a.m. And as you said, many of them are elderly women, uh, kibbutznik grandmothers, as we call them. They proven to be very tough, but still a woman at the age of 85, uh, Adar, for example, they were woken up at 6 a.m. They were handed from, you know, a spot to a spot for the entire day. Then we've seen footage of the Hamas. Terrorists with those uh, green headbands escorting them from the Hamas cars into the Red Cross. And, you know, in one of those photos, we saw this um, terrorist carries a grandmother in his hand, like she cannot walk or something. So it was terrifying to watch. One of them was uh, hugging very, you know, too close. He was hugging uh, uh, Ohad Mondar, who is only nine years old then we saw them being transferred to the egyptian side um by the way the philippines and the thai uh workers uh, i think um uh, 11 and uh, 10 men and one woman they were uh transferred first so we saw the jeeps coming out from the egyptian side with those people first with some footage of the of them in those white cars and afterwards uh, it took like another, another hour to see the same footage with the Israeli elderly women in those cars. All of, all of us were just looking, trying to recognize who is in the cars. Israel's TV uh, until that point did not say the names. But then, uh, TV, you know, channels were spending some time in, uh, where kibbutz near Oz is hosted, I think in uh, the city of Elad, the entire survivors from that kibbutz. And people from the kibbutz started to recognize their neighbors and their friends and um saying the names. Then we saw uh Danielle Aloni with her daughter Emilia, who is only five years old, out of a, of a bus, uh wearing this wide sort of um maybe a galabia with kind of an Arab big robe. She was holding her her kid in in, in her hand. Uh really exciting photos, Amanda. Later on, they were uh, escorted into a military base down in the south, uh, Hatserim, which are an air force, big air force base. From there, with the military helicopters to several hospitals, some of the photos of the family members hugging them came out only today. They let them stay in the hospitals for now. Family members were brought in, including staff with, uh, you know, psychological staff, uh, social workers, um, kids specialists, uh, more doctors, I suppose, and the military people in the hospitals. You know, Yaffa Adar, for example, I think her entire clan of grandkids came to the hospital. But they released a photo of her with her three kids. Just now, I mean, we are talking in Israel in in Saturday afternoon. We just saw an interesting video of Ruthie Monder, the, the grandmother of Ohad Monder, and her daughter, Karen Monder, where they were all kidnapped. She told that they were held together, grandmother, daughter, and a grandson together for the entire period of time. But also, when she was, you know, the, the video was just taken uh, by by staff. And obviously, all of the videos were released uh, with family's um, accordance. But she told on the video that her son, Hoi Mundar, was murdered. Uh, we don't know if she knew that while she was held captive, but she is saying this on, on TV. Roe is gone. And that is heartbreaking because many of those people are coming to, I mean, I'm not even saying empty houses. They just don't have houses. The houses were torched. The community was, you know, kibbutz niroz with the first batch of, of survivors was, I think, nine, if I'm, if I'm saying it correctly, I think 87 people from the kibbutz were kidnapped and another, you know, tens of them murdered. Approximately 25% of this little community was either kidnapped or murdered and houses are gone. There is nowhere to go. So some of the things that the specialists are saying with respect to kids and elderly and everyone is that it's really important to go back to your comfort zone, your house or your family, but in this case, they, they have nowhere to go.
0: Now, Tal, it seems to me, and I could be wrong here, but it seems to me that almost all of the women and children who were released also have people who were left behind in Gaza, whether it's a son or a grandfather or a father.
2: Is that your impression as well? Yeah, Amanda, that is true. For example, Ruti's Munder, the grandmother, her husband Avram is still captive in Gaza. The, the the people from the Hamas um, they define all males above the age of nineteen as soldier. So Avram, who is elderly, and I think he's around eighty years old, is defined by the Hamas uh, terrorists as a as a as a former soldier, and Hansi he is not released. Ahad uh, Zihri Munder went back to his father's arms. The father was not taken because uh, the mother Karen and the son, Ohad were visiting the grandmother and the grandfather. So as we said, grandfather still in, grandmother Ruti is out. Karen, the mother, and and the grand and grandson Ohad are out. It goes the same for some of those families, but not all. But not all of them. It's really heartbreaking. Uh, we know that in another, you know, in in forthcoming days, we will see more families' separation, such as you know. I think two young siblings were partying together at the party. We might see the return of the woman, uh, a young woman who was partying with her brother, where her brother, who is not a soldier, but because he's a young person, you know, he's under 30, he's not in any kind of duty, but the Hamas define him as a soldier because of his age. So that's heartbreaking.
0: Kerry, okay, let's talk about what Israel needs to, quote-unquote, pay for each one of these Israeli releases. I believe the, the equation is, what, three Palestinians for each
3: Israeli? Who, who are the Palestinians that are being released here? a great point, Amanda. So it's Palestinian prisoners, um, women and minor children. And there's been a list of 300 uh, potential releasees that's been prepared that includes people who've, in, who've committed offenses um, that range from rock throwing to stabbing, attempted murder, uh, attempted placing of a bomb to kill civilians, some very serious crimes, some less serious, all uh, violent in um, their characterization. Let's also talk about the humanitarian
0: aid that is expected to go into the Gaza Strip during the ceasefire. The expectations of the United States is, of course, that it will be much more than had been crossing during the
3: fighting, the act of fighting. Carrie, what are you seeing here? So today, for the second day in a row, uh, we've seen about 200 trucks go into Gaza. Um, these are trucks that have been checked by Israel and approved by Israel, and they include water, fuel, cooking fuel, uh, medical supplies, food. Um, But what is new today that's actually really a change in Israeli policy is that Israel says it gave approval for the UN to move about 50 trucks worth of humanitarian aid to northern Gaza. And now northern Gaza is the locus of that intense fighting that um, has been happening since Israel started its ground operation on October 27th. And Israel has not permitted aid to reach northern Gaza and has, in fact, tried to encourage civilians to leave to the South, in part by directing aid to the South. So this is really um, kind of a a big change in Israeli policy, allowing the UN to take 50 trucks to northern Gaza uh, to provide aid for civilians today.
0: Let's go to a short break, and when we get back, we'll talk about expectations for today's release.
1: You're listening to this podcast, so I know you care about the war in Israel right now. And you've been reading the headlines, Massacre in Gaza, genocide perpetrated by Hamas. No, by Israel. But if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you know one thing. This stuff seems complicated. And honestly, no one can really just pick a side or decide an opinion without really learning, without really knowing what you're talking about. And that's where this podcast comes in. Check out Unpacking Israeli History, now in its sixth season. They have episodes with topics ranging from what is Hamas anyway, to whether Israel should ransom captured soldiers, and the history of Israel and its disengagement from Gaza in 2005. Unpacking Israeli history cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. So, educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find unpacking Israeli history wherever you listen to your podcasts.
0: And we're back. Tal, let's look ahead to today's release. We can't really tell much right now at this stage of the day what we are hoping will happen, but what are you able to tell us right now?
2: Okay, so we we know that the probably foreign workers are going to come out uh, before the Israelis, so that means another you know, installment It probably will take... It will not happen uh, right on time. It will take a little bit, you know, like yesterday's. We are being, you know, the whole event starts at around 5 p.m. and ends probably around midnight. It takes time uh, to get them out. We also hear that uh, the second batch is going to be, again, women and uh, kids from the same kibbutz, uh, according to a report. And, And I'm saying this here. It's uncertain because until we see them, we don't know if it's true. But maybe by the time you're listening to this, they might be all from kibbutz Be'eri. That's one of the kibbutzes that was mostly severely damaged, uh, again, with many people who were murdered and many people who were kidnapped. So the community is shattered, the community is ruined, and maybe uh, seeing some of their you know, friends and families will give them some sort of uh, comfort. You know, we're still looking to see how things are going. If it's all going smoothly, we do know that since the beginning of this pause in fighting on Friday early in seven seven a.m. in the morning, so that's you know around uh, more than thirty hours ago, there weren't any uh, missiles or you know shots from the Israeli military all over Gaza. So that's another good sign. So the process may go ahead. And this is what we know so far. Okay, Tal, thanks. Listeners,
0: please check out our live blog, which is ongoing and constantly being updated for more current news. Now, Carrie, let's end with today. Today marks the United Nations-sponsored International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women. This is, of course, on the background of many, many international women's organizations who are still silent on the mass rapes committed by Hamas on October 7th. But you, Carrie, have spotted a troubling new trend in Israel in terms of calls to
3: crisis lines. What are you hearing right now? So domestic violence continues during wartime, which is something that the two dozen or so organizations that provide services to victims of domestic abuse and domestic violence um, have said. But in particular, uh, there's a rising concern, and that is that some newly relaxed firearms permitting regulations might actually put guns into the hands of abusers. Um, And this is something that is new uh, to the wartime situation, because these restrictions were only relaxed in October, uh, mid-October, shortly after the war broke out, And by the time that they were relaxed, there were something like 41,000 applications for a firearm, new applications for a firearm that were submitted in that one week in between the war breaking out and the regulations actually being relaxed. And so the concern is that um, among these more than 40,000 applicants, uh, there may be domestic abusers who were not reported to the police, who are not known to the police, and now fit this new eligibility requirement, which brought tens of thousands of Israelis the ability to to apply for a permit who didn't have it before, according to the National Security Ministry, uh, might actually give them a weapon.
0: Okay. We'll definitely keep our eyes on that as well. Carrie Tal, thank you for joining me today.
2: Thank you, Amanda.
0: Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Times of Israel's daily briefing. Look for another episode tomorrow. This episode was produced by Ben Wallach. If you have any questions or comments, please drop us a line at podcast at timesofisrael.com. Until tomorrow, Shalom.